When it comes to booking in time with your prospects, we want to reduce no-shows and cancellations. We want to make sure that the right prospect is speaking to the right AE at the right territory and right time zone. Also, we want to reduce those no-shows and cancellations. That's exactly what Chili Piper's booking platform can help you do. Chili Piper are the official sponsors of the SDR Disco Call show. And if you want to check out more, head over to chilipiper.com forward slash happy. Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hi there listeners, it's Neil here and today we have a special episode. Hello listeners, watchers, subscribers and podders. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Course Show. As always, I'm your host Neil Buyan and today... I'm super, super excited about the show that we're bringing you with our guests. So for a bit of context, I've known all these guests or these three great salespeople uh, over the last few years in different capacities. And it's really weird how things all come together. And I was in Belgium a few weeks ago where I met with all of these guys. And I said, hey, why don't we get you on the show? And today, as a first on the SDR Disco Call Show, we have a CEO, an SDR, and an A. You can't get any better than that. Um, but as a gentle reminder, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please give us a rating and share this episode. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please like, comment, subscribe, and share. But without further ado, I'd love to introduce the company that is Ambassify and Bobby, Yannick, and Cone. How are you all doing today, gentlemen? Fantastic. Awesome. Yes. Great Woo! to be here. Thanks Thank for having us. Thank you very us. much for being here. I really appreciate you all. So yeah, this is a bit of a first. Normally, like we just have things just with SDRs or you know team leads, but having a CEO on the call is pretty scary and daunting. And uh, I think this should be quite a good episode. So again, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. So in true SDR uh, disco call fashion, I'd love to start with our super guest, our SDR, Bobby. Bobby, uh, could you please introduce us to who are you? Where are you based in the world? And what do you do for Ambassify? Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for, for having us, Neil. Uh, I'm Bobby. I'm an SDR here at Ambassify. Started my training around April. And yeah, so I've been basically in the role for about four months. I'm based in London. And yeah, let's, let's go to Yannick. Thank you very much. So fresh blood, Bobby in, a couple of months in. Thank you so much for joining. Yannick, so who are you? Could you introduce yourself? Where are you based in the world? And what do you do at Ambassify? Well, um, so indeed, my name is Yannick. Uh, thanks for having us also from my side, of course. Very, very uh, happy to be here. Um, where am I based in the world? I'm based in Belgium, in the beautiful city of Ghent. For your listeners who haven't visited Ghent, do visit Ghent. It's wonderful. We just had what we call the Gensefeesten, which is actually 10 days of partying. So for those party animals, which is also necessary <laughs> in the sales life, I would definitely recommend to give us a visit definitely next year around this time. Um, I was an SDR before, just like Bobby. First, I was kind of an SDR um, in the recruitment sector. Um, I did a lot of cold calling, you know, introducing candidates to potential clients, also a lot of uh, business development. 
Then I moved to a full uh, sales role as a full SDR, which was at uh, Silverfin. And there I did basically what Bobby is doing today, booking meetings, making sure those are quality meetings. And then I rolled into uh, the AE role. Um, as you heard, I'm an AE by now. And mm -hmm. I'm, of course, uh, now an AE at uh, Ambassify. To keep it short and sweet, that's a little bit uh, the story. Thank you very much, Yannick. And a little bit of disclosure, me and Yannick uh, actually met a few years ago when he was at Silverfin, where I was mm -hmm. his SDR trainer and he was one of my stu students. And I'm very <laughs> proud to see how far you've progressed. And obviously now you're working at Ambassify alongside Cone, which brings us on to our super CEO or word of mouth ambassador for Ambassify, Cone. Cone, could you please introduce yourself and tell us who are you, where are you based in the world, and what is your role as a CEO at Ambassify? Sure. So I'm the first CEO on the show, right? Or no? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me. It's a, it's a delight. So I also love that you didn't just call me the CEO of the company, but also the word of my, my director. That's something that I'd like to use myself because that's basically what you do at Ambassify. You know, uh, we love to help other companies uh, to generate word of mouth and our platform helps them to enable that. So I am uh, in beautiful, uh, uh, Deist, uh, if we're working from home, we do have offices in the Ghent area, but Yannick is mostly doing his hustle work or the Limburg area, this, this small rural, uh, site of Belgium, uh, with a lot of talent represented there as well. Um, but a lot of the work is still remote these days. Um, mm. and then Bestify basically, yeah, is, is the most complete, uh, I believe advocacy platform out there today. Uh, helping companies to use their marketing budgets uh, in a smarter, cost-efficient way through their best brand ambassadors. And obviously, those are their own employees. That's where we are. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much, Cone. So yes, first ever CEO, first SDR and a all-in-one show. And uh, again, really very privileged to have you guys all on and giving us a time today for our listeners and watchers out there as well. So Cone, like uh, with the magic of our show, what we typically do is like screen sharing and we can have a look at the Ambassador website. And again, for our listeners and watchers, for any of the things that we discuss in the show, if you want to visit the links in the show note descriptions, you can check out Ambassify and you can check out Yannick, Bobby and Cone's LinkedIn if you wish to connect. So obviously uh, what you're saying, like using word of mouth, uh, employee advocacy, like Cone, if you were to say in a nutshell, and you were speaking to somebody about, you know, potentially helping them with Ambassify. In in a sentence, what would you say Ambassify does and how does it help people? Yeah, like I just shortly explained, you know, we help them to uh, use their marketing budgets in a smarter way. A lot of times it's about uh, advertising spend. So uh, yeah. advertising uh, costs are going up, but the results of those efforts are going down. And we can help with that by using employees mostly. Uh, to generate uh, that word of mouth, to generate that visibility. And we can very easily track that and put that into uh, measurements uh, that are uh, very applicable to our customers. Love it. Thank you very much. And just like a true CEO, I love that. Or SDR, <laughs> right, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> indeed. It's the command of the message. Um, but obviously, like before we came onto the show, so we're all going to be learning about everybody's individual journey, kind of like how did they get to Ambassify? But as somebody who's a company founder for a very young company of my own, I'd love to know kind of like what was the story of Ambassify? Like how did it start off from like your journey of 
this idea to kind of like where are you today? Like, what was that journey like, sir? Yeah, it actually started out of a previous SaaS company, still mostly the, the, the same people, which is extremely cool. Uh, we have a lot of talented people that uh, join our join us in our different missions. So the previous company, it's still the same entity, to be honest, was called uh, Bubobox. Uh, and that platform basically allowed uh, companies uh, to identify their brand ambassadors, mostly external people, though. Today, we focus mm. on internal people. But the thing we noticed is that we promised them that we would find their best brand ambassadors. Then we would look at it from a distance. Then we could see, for example, we were working for TUI uh, one day. The other day, we were working for Connections, another travel company. We would see the same names popping up. I didn't feel comfortable at all because I promised, hey, you will find your best brand ambassadors. But mm -hmm. they basically were what I called price hunters, you know? Oh, yeah, I can mm -hmm. win this cool prize with Tui. I will do this today. I can win this cool prize with Connections. I will do that tomorrow. Uh, so that's basically, we didn't kill the idea completely. We sold a part of the business. And then most of the people in the organization, uh, we put on a different mission because we found out that the genuine, true brand ambassadors were actually already inside of the company, being their employees. And then we made a switch mm -hmm. to Ambassify. And the cool thing is that we could use a lot of the, the groundwork that we had done with Bubobox uh, to really kickstart Ambassify uh, and get uh, customers quite quickly. I love that. That's a pretty cool story. And, you know, um, similar to myself, I've only been in business with Happy Selling for about five years. And I started it because I had my son, and I saw the way that I was getting taxed and my father is an accountant. And I remember the more I was earning as a salesperson, the more I was getting taxed and it felt like I was earning less. And mm -hmm. I went to my father as an accountant and I complained about it. And he said, well, that's the world. He said, unless you're running your own company, you can't really do anything about it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I had to figure out what could I do. So I love sales and I could do that thing. And then I launched my business and running a company on my own for the last couple of years it's scary as hell. And as I was saying to the gentleman before we got on, I've just hired my first head of marketing. So it's my first wow. real hire. And that's scary as hell. But, you know, for somebody that's like launched a business and been doing this for a number of years, what was going through your mind of when you're thinking, I'm going to launch a company or I'm going to launch something to help the world? Like, how yeah. did you come to that confidence in order to make that jump? Yeah, so first things first, my father was an accountant as well. So that might, <laughs> that might be like the magic trick uh, in this conversation. Yeah. So yeah, it helps a lot because I had financial discussions on a very young age, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. And it also uh, pushed me in direction of launching my company. So I, I, I uh, finished three uh, studies, but then I immediately founded my own company, one while I was still finishing up the other final uh, study uh, that I did. Uh, and it was like a consultancy business, uh, basically, selling portals to large companies, etc. And I did uh, grew that company quite a bit, uh, but it didn't feel 100% right because it was just not scalable, you know? It was mm -hmm. like, okay, and I loved side projects already back then. Uh, we used to build this, what we know today, like takeaway, you know? We, we built stuff like that uh, on a side uh, project uh, kind of thing. But then... When there was a lot of work in the business, we didn't focus on the side projects. When there was no work, uh, we focused too much on the side projects. So I don't believe uh, in that scenario anymore. So then I sold mm -hmm. that business and that was the reason for me to start Bubblebox, basically being a B2B SaaS company because I was totally into SaaS by reading about all the stories, etc. And just by mm -hmm. the 
the, the uniqueness of the business model, basically. Uh, and that really triggered me to start it, to find the right co-founders who also did a lot of work without any wages for the first 18 months. So we went full in for it. And that's my main advice, you know. You cannot do it half and half. And you will have those stories, but those are extremely exceptional. You have to give it, give it your all uh, and you have to feel it when it doesn't work out. And when it does work out, you feel it, then you can hire more people, and then the engine starts running. So that's basically where I come from. I love that. And that's some solid advice as well. You know, you can't do this half-hearted. You have to go all in for this. And uh, one last question before we come back to our other guests as well. Um, I was out yesterday with a bunch of friends, and I just dropped my son off back to his mother's. And we're sitting down and through Facebook and personal social media, they kind of know what I do, that I run some sort of business. And the one thing that this one lady um, said to me yesterday is like, Neil, you're always busy. You're always <laughs> doing something. Like you're just always on social media and you're like, you're doing great things and it's successful. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I used to agree with friends and say, yeah, I'm busy. I'm freaking busy, man. I'm doing stuff. I'm traveling. I'm doing all that. But I've now come to this conclusion that I'm not busy. I'm just doing things that I love or things that I'm very passionate about. And it may be busy for some, but I can't live any other way. And, you know, like after I left that that evening with friends, I went home to work on my podcast, to work on some happy selling stuff, to do some social media. And sometimes I work till 11 o'clock at night. And some people call that crazy. And I was just wondering, does that resonate or how does that resonate with you, Cone? And what advice would you give to people that maybe it's too busy or it's intimidating for them? Yeah, solid question. So in the beginning, you cannot fake it, you know? So you do need to put in the hours and those are crazy hours because you're building something completely new on a a market that has not been tested before with a product that has no fit at all with that market. So in the beginning, you cannot say like, okay, I'm just putting in my hours and we'll see how this ends. Uh, But when the business scales, then you also need to trust other people in the organization, you know, and uh, it's it's, uh, daunting at times because sometimes you see stuff that you think, yeah, I might have done that better. That's the biggest battle for me sometimes, like uh, letting it loose. Uh, But only then you can scale, you know. So I actually took a a holiday only a few weeks ago and I was... uh, um, surprisingly relaxed during that holiday. I didn't even bring my laptop. That's like a key thing here. So that's the first (laughs) time ever because of the trust in the team. uh, And uh, I couldn't have done that a few years ago. So it's it's a a progress. I don't believe that you uh, shoot Elon Musk style, keep on uh, working 160 mostly unproductive uh, hours, unless you're Elon Musk, obviously, who can put in the productive (laughs) work. So... Uh, so it, it will change over time, but in the beginning, the phase where you probably are, if you want to build yeah. out the business, especially if it's more consultancy uh, mm-hmm. based, yeah, it's a lot of hurdles that you should overcome, but there is light at the end of that tunnel and you know where you're doing it for, you know, you know, you're building business value next to making customers happy and that helps you uh, to uh, basically just push along. Thank you. You've you've uh, eased my mind and you've lessened some anxieties, Cohen. So thank you so much. And I definitely, Welcome. you know, I aspire to do something like what you're doing. And again, having an amazing team on this call as well and building these people into your point, trusting in them. Because I think the job of a great CEO is to know how to do things to a certain extent, but then hire people that are better than them to execute those things. Mm-hmm. But when it's your baby and it's your brand or it's your thing that you've created, it can be very emotionally hard at the same yeah. time, right? So yeah. like, you, you take an interest in it. Yeah, I also compare it in the beginning, you know, you're wearing all these kinds of hats, like the classic of cleaning the toilets. I did it, all the classics, I did them. 
but after a while, you start looking uh, for people where the hat might even fit better on their head, you know? <clears throat> and uh, that's yeah. the cool thing when you see the business grow or when you go away for one week and it's not that you totally disconnect. Mm -hmm. But when you just see that the business keeps on progressing, then you know, like, okay, I've built something that can probably scale without me eventually. And that's a very mm -hmm. empowering feeling, to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Thanks to these guys as well, by the way. <laughs> whoop, whoop. I love it. Whoop, whoop. So coming into like for somebody that's built the business and somebody that's recently just come into the business in the last few months, like yourself, Bobby, like if we check out your LinkedIn profile, it'd be cool to know for like the listeners and watchers, like you've had, you know, you've been a physiotherapist, uh, you've been a chess coach, which is actually very strategic and actually quite interesting now that I think about it. Uh, but you've worked in sales and marketing, you know, you've been self-employed and you've been an SDR ambassador for the last five months. What's your story of like, how did you get into, well, firstly, sales and tech and how did you make that transition and how did you end up at Ambassify? Well, to be fair, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of experience listed on LinkedIn, but it probably doesn't cover even 30% of all the jobs I've done. So I've done like every job on the okay. sun, to be fair. <laughs> so yeah, I've worked anywhere from from McDonald's to yeah, the hospital and schools and most recently tech, of course. To be honest, I did have a little bit of sales experience coming into Ambassify, uh, because I kind of, well, I worked part-time for Vodafone for about four years while I was studying to support my studies. Mm. So that was kind of, it was, it wasn't, it was a cool job because, you know, I was always interested in phones and tech and I grew up with a computer from a very young age when I was six, um, still in the kindergarten in Bulgaria, you know, my father bought us a computer mm. and that was pretty big back in the day. You know, I don't think many kids had a computer and yeah, yeah. the internet wasn't back. <laughs> it wasn't big like it is now. It makes me <laughs> feel quite old. But I think that was about, uh, yeah, about 19 years ago. So, um, yeah, uh, going into Vodafone, uh, that's how I kind of, you know, kick-started my career in tech. And afterwards, finding a bus fire was... You know, I applied for a ton of jobs on LinkedIn and my cousin who was actually in recruitment at the time, I was looking to go on into recruitment as well because, you know, I, kn I knew she did that and it was, you know, she was yeah. doing quite well. It was, it was a good industry to get into. And she said, well, actually an SDR is way better because you only have to deal with one side of the equation, you know, you just have to sell the product. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if, if the customer is happy, then you have a sell. Whereas with recruitment, you, you can, you know, put in quite a lot of work and sometimes the candidate finds a different job offer or, you know, they're in a different place yeah. of life now than they were three months ago. And yeah, uh, that's how I kind of got into sales and yeah, I got trained up by this, this core academy, which obviously uh, Kuhn found, you know, uh, SAS leads and I found as well on LinkedIn as, you know, as one of the jobs which I applied for and Mm. Yeah, I thought it was a scam, like most people at the beginning. <laughs> then, you know, after after the interview and getting to meet a few of the people, checking out their website, I got, you know, I believed it was real then, and yeah, I was I was pretty excited to be honest. It was nothing like I was ever used uh, to doing before. Never worked from home before. Uh, yeah, never worked into you know you know in SaaS, so it was all brand new. To be honest, the first. Mm few days or few weeks of the academy, I was like, I probably won't be able to do this. I'll probably fail, but 
let's just push on one more day. I'll just mm. try one more day and give it, you know, as much as I can. If I fail, then yeah, still gonna learn a lot. But to be fair, after my first day, I just I just realized I'm surrounded by so many cool people, and it's a totally different environment now than what I'm used to from before. And you know, I could actually make it. You know, I I could actually. Uh, you know, go for the academy and, and get hired and work from home like I've always wanted to. So, yeah, uh, I kind of surprised myself, I think, as well. Yeah, I <clears throat> absolutely love that. So, you know, having that sales experience whilst you were at Vodafone for those four years, you've built mm -hmm. up some commercial experience of, you know, dealing with people, customers, prospects, etc. And then making that transition into thinking about like similar to Yannick about wanting to go into recruitment and thinking, right. But then your recruiter friend said, actually, you could go into this thing called an SDR position and, you know, you're selling to potentially one persona or, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, an industry or a vertical and then trying to convince them and then joining this potential, what you may have thought as a scam uh, <laughs> called SAS leads. Uh, and then, you know, the early days of doubting it. Okay. Is this for me? I don't know, because this is something completely new, right? but then sticking at it and being like successful with it. And hey, ho, like your ambassador for the last five months, like, I say, hell yeah to that. That's some happy selling, right? Mm -hmm. And what's really weird <clears throat> is like listening to you talk and like going through your journey. It also has reminded me of how small this world is because that SaaS leads company who are friends of, of, of the show and we've had Will Coning mm -hmm. on the show as well. He was my first ever student five years ago when, uh, when I was working with Winning by Design. And I remember I stayed friends with Will <clears throat> a year later. Uh, he wasn't working at the company anymore that he was, you know, I was training at. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm doing something called SaaS leads. And I was like, what's that? And he said, oh, SDR training. And I'm like, isn't that what I do? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, maybe competition. Perhaps I don't know. Uh, but he was like looking at the recruitment element of this as well, yeah. you know, like yeah. hiring the talent, then training the talent up. And obviously with me, I just, you know, train the talent that's already been hired. Mm -hmm. And then thinking back to like with Cone, when we first met, like in the early days, we were looking at happy selling as a potential training, but you weren't sure when you was going to get your SDRs in. Yeah. But we stayed in connection. We've had discussions over the years. You've picked my brain on things. Equally, I've picked your brain. And then Yannick, like you were a student of the past and you went in one company and ended up here. It's The, the world is interconnected amazing, and right? it's a hell of a lot smaller. And we've all had interactions. And like when you were hired, Bobby, I was so freaking proud, A, of Cone, for getting that SDR in and B, you coming from SAS leads, you know, a good breed of people that have been tra trained going into a great company. Yeah. And then you had Yannick as your co-pilot. I was like, yeah, this is a match made in heaven, dude. Like, yeah. this is so freaking amazing. I was like, I'm very proud <laughs> of all of you guys and like to, to see you all together and equally more excited because you're on this show and we get to hear all your thoughts on this. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I don't even know if Bobby knows this, but the initial introduction to SAS leads uh, was uh, through Neil. So Neil basically mentioned yes. So, uh, and it didn't feel like a fraud to me at the time. Otherwise, Neil would have never recommended it. Yeah. But it was like a, a jump in the dark as well. So the main thing is we had some issues with our limited team to really uh, mm -hmm. train SDRs in the best possible way. And we mm -hmm. want to change mm -hmm. that. And then SaaS leads, mm -hmm. uh, Neil, your recommendation and a few other Belgian companies that were using them uh, came in perfect. So thank you for that. Uh, I think, Bobby, it is a great program uh, and very happy that uh, you went through it. Uh, you were mostly happy, I think, as well as one of the high performers there. Let's not forget that as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's not an easy task. It's quite intensive, I think, right? 
Yeah, yeah. training somebody uh, who has no former SDR experience is not that easy if you are in a company, in a startup, like mm. we are at Ambassify. We are still a startup. We are a modest team. We're growing heavily, of course. Um, but if you don't have somebody dedicated in-house who will be taking on the responsibility to train somebody as an SDR with no SDR experience, it's quite hard. Mm. Because a lot of people try to give their input. It gets quite confusing at times. Let's be honest about that. It's also mistakes that are being made uh, sometimes when uh, hiring an SDR. Um, and I feel, Kun, that, that we had the same issue a little bit, you know, not having the capacity to train somebody fully as it should be. And also giving, um, you know, uh, input from different sides that didn't work well in the past. And I think that indeed... Um, yeah, the academy did a great job in laying the foundations to build further on. So, uh, yeah, good way to go. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I know um, with Will, who's probably going to be listening to the show, he's going to be very happy to hear that. So, again, thank <laughs> you, gentlemen, for yeah. giving the great feedback on there. Which then brings me on to, I'd love to come back to Cone. So, obviously, like you said, you're looking for this talent, you're hiring it, trying to find the right people, and then you come across the right people. But... Cone, as a CEO who may be doing founder-led sales initially in the early days, how do you come to the decision of hiring that first salesperson on the ground? And like, what things should founders or companies think about before they hire their first AE or SDR? What, what did you guys do? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, double communication around this topic, mm -hmm. right? So uh, some uh, people will say try to hire two AEs as soon as possible, see who works out, why he or she works mm -hmm. out, and then move forward with that. I didn't believe that, still don't believe that. I think you have to do the hustling yourself in the uh, early days. And if you work with salesy people, uh, they should be uh, evangelists more than uh, salespeople. So we had uh, one or two of those people uh, joining me in the sales process. Uh, and at the time it worked out fine because our product was still trying to find yeah. product market fit, etc. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to uh, ramp up uh, normal AE people when the product fit is not even there, you know, they will get frustrated, etc. So when we really found like, and let's say 12 to 18 months ago, like, okay, uh, this is going into the right direction. We're signing more and more big logos all, all by ourselves. And basically we cannot handle the, the leads anymore or we can't, give enough love mm. to some of those larger leads enough. That was like the key decision driver in looking for the right AEs to be able to scale the business further. And at that specific point in time, we uh, we hired, I think, three reps quite shortly after each other with a few months in between, which is quite a challenge because you basically grow from like a two-person sales team uh, to a six, seven-person uh, sales team. But very interesting times, and we're still uh, finding uh, the best balance, to be honest, between uh, not only on the three of us, but also with the other people. Mm. Uh, but this is a step you just need to take, otherwise you will continue to uh, be a founder-led sales person for the rest of your life. The thing is, I love doing sales myself as well, uh, and I also try to, you know, lead by example in a way that we're now doing those dojo sessions, etc. And uh, what's the best way to approach our prospect? Because I'm obviously uh, quite a long time in the business already. I'm still doing the hard work myself as well, you know, like setting up meetings, etc. Mm. It's not like it's 50% of my uh, week, but I just do it to just get the input directly as well, because you need that to be able to guide the AEs 
who need that to be able to guide the SDRs. And that's how it comes together. Right? I love that. And uh, there was two things that I wanted to pick apart there. Um, so the first thing is you mentioned a terminology that I haven't heard before. We say like in the dojo or like dojo cells. Could you explain like what that yeah. is and how do you guys use that? Yeah, it's basically a very new concept. So we work with an external sales leader as well, who has a background at Indeed.com. Uh, uh, and he just ended this gig there. So we had this unique opportunity to work with them. He has a lot of uh, VP sales uh, experience. And I think it's one of the first things he introduced, right? Like basically weekly sessions in a dojo uh, where you will train each other a bit like probably happened in the SaaS Leads Academy as mm. well. So really looking at each other, like how would you pitch this prospect or role-playing, shadowing, all these kind of things, but more in a structured way. Uh, and my feeling is that uh, uh, the reps uh, are getting a lot out of that because then you can see that some people are approaching it in a completely yeah. different way and that they that obviously has to fit your DNA as mm. well. It's not that you can just copy-paste the other AE or the other SDR. Uh, but it's very valuable. So just those one-hour blocks each week uh, to see how other people are uh, doing it, I think it's extremely valuable. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So it's, uh, if, if I get it right, it's an element of reflecting internally on the things that you're doing out in the field with your customers, how uh, perhaps maybe you have an objection, maybe having a role play, and then being able to see how other people are doing it rather than say, okay, here's a script, this is what you need to say. You're actually taking input yeah. from how other people are doing and you're learning from each other. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. And you might get roasted on the spot, you know, but everyone uh, is, <laughs> is in the same boat yeah. there. And that's why it works, I think. It's yeah. good to be pulled out of your comfort zone from time to time, I feel, because this is sales. The approach in different stages of the sales cycle is constantly changing, constantly evolving. So you need to keep up with it. And one of the best ways is not only reading about it or watching clips about it or listening mm. to podcasts about it, like your snail. <laughs> That's a good way. It's a good way. Uh, yes. Which is a great way, of course. But also <laughs> listening to each other, getting into a role play with each other. I believe that there's a tremendous amount of information to be shared amongst the different reps, SDRs, AEs, even you know management to make sure that you keep on top of your game. And just like Kun said, getting roasted from time to time, I feel is part of the game and also necessary to keep you on your toes. So yeah, definitely agree. Oh yeah. And again, if anybody's listening into this, like uh, Cohen, like you're saying, and Yannick and team, mm -hmm. setting in an hour a week to do that dojo with each other, I think that's mm -hmm. super valuable. And the reason why I really believe in that model is being like a, a former SDR manager, the people that I trusted uh, their feedback the most was my new hires. And the reason for that was the new hires would come into this as a blank slate and look at our processes, the way that we go to market, the way that we cold call. And I would always ask them, like, what do you think? And they would be the people that wouldn't, ha wouldn't have the rose-tinted glasses of, hey, mm -hmm. this is my company, my job, and I'm really proud of the brand. They'd give honest feedback about saying, I don't think that's going to work, or maybe you could do that in a different way. And I'd always welcome that feedback, especially on onboarding. You know, I'd like have a four to five week onboarding with my reps. And at the end of it, I would genuinely ask them, could you please give me feedback of what do you think worked well in this onboarding and what didn't? And they said, well, do you know what? At the beginning, it was great to know the company. It was really cool to learn about the, the SDR process and the tools, but maybe you could have had a bit more about competitors and battle info in here. You know, how to set up my HubSpot, how to set up SalesLoft or, you know, these tools and maybe have a bit more training on that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Because we do this day in, day out, and we've been doing it for a number of years, but having a fresh set of eyes and ears on an existing process can really bring about change and, you know, iteration. So I freaking love that. that that's amazing. 
But also, Cohen, the the piece of, you know, doing founder-led sales and then getting these salespeople to do it and, you know, 50% of your time is still setting up meetings and doing sales cycles and you fall in love with sales. And I kind of had this realization the other week where I signed my first head of marketing um, and I was like, right, I've been doing happy settings marketing with an assistant for the last year, but I was doing 80% of it. The other person was executing it and helped create some content. And shouts out to Becky if you're watching. Um, but I said, I need to get to a point where I'm not doing this anymore and I want to mm. be creating stuff and, you know, attending events and doing more shows and stuff like that, but I don't have the time to do all the content creation. And when I joined with Liz, she just kind of said like, you're on every social media channel, but there's no engagement, there's no likes, there's no comments. And, you know, you're always giving advice, but you're never asking the audience their opinion on it. And I was like, you're freaking right. And, you know, she just gave me that honest <laughs> feedback. And I was like, yeah. yeah, I didn't even notice that. And when I came off that day, I felt really intimidated, but very happy that I had somebody be honest with me and say, right, this is what we need to do, Neil. This is what you need to be focusing your time on. Yeah. This is where I'm going to be helping. I was like, this is what I've needed for like two years. So thank you. Like, hallelujah. <laughs> and coming out of that call with her, I was like, right, one day somebody's going to have to do this in a sales capacity for happy selling, right? So full disclosure, and maybe a lot of VPs of sales who onboard happy selling training may not be happy with what I'm about to say. But when it comes to closing sales, that's not my favorite thing. It really isn't. You know, I love prospecting. I love the presentations. I love the build up and getting that you know person into a meeting. Yeah. The actual closing of business, of negotiation, contracts, discounts, all of that stuff, it bores me. I find it very transactional. And then I get excited that once they've signed, we can start training, we can do coaching and account management. That's the stuff that gets me buzzed. But Cone, to your point, like I have come to the realization that one day I'm going to have to hire a salesperson to do this and I'm going to have to hire a customer success manager to do happy selling training because I'm going to be off building other things but still leading this company, but I'm still doing it today. But I have to fall in love with it and I still need to know how to do it so that one day I have to teach them how to do it as well. And part of my diary will still be, you know, training and doing stuff, but I'm, I've got other plans and aspirations that I want to do. But it's freaking scary, you know? like. Um, is it going to happen? I don't know, but I'd like to see how long I can go because five years ago when I launched Happy Selling, I didn't know how long this was going to last. My family and friends thought two, three months, you're going to go back to a normal job. I said, no. A year passed and I was like, okay, I'm still here. <laughs> two years passed, I'm cool. still here. We're coming up to five years now and I'm like, and a lot of people say, oh, how did you do it? And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I just, I just, I just play it as I go along and I close deals, yeah. I win logos, I get testimonials, I produce content and it's the fun thing. And that's why I love startups and I'm trying to build my own, but this is why I'm doing this show with people such as yourselves, because I'm learning from all of you, because this is going to help me. And I hope that this helps our listeners mm -hmm. uh, and watchers out there. So, yeah. but just the fact that you, uh, that you told it so many people so early in the process and it was not like, yeah, I'm doing this on the side, you know, let's see what happens, but you went full mm -hmm. in and, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like becoming like a social responsibility, yeah. like, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like, I need to make this work now because I will look like a fool. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not exactly. that black and white, yeah. but people mm -hmm. still respond to it. Even my mother these days is still like, are you doing fine with your business? Yeah. Yeah. 25 people now X, Y, Z. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> she's still thinking like become a teacher or something you know because she she as i said my father was an accountant so he has, she has seen the impact of uh, running a, a business and and for her it's like she she uh, is proud obviously on what's happening but she doesn't grasp it 100 mm -hmm. as well so for her it's like 
this unsafe environment, you know. So, uh, so yeah, it never changes, I think, to be honest, Neil. Uh, but that's the fun part. That's where I take pride in, to be honest. 100%, yeah. because I think, like, I think the mistake, not the mistake that I've made, but the realization in recent years is I was always going to my friends and family saying, I've got this new job as an SDR or finally promoted to account executive or, hey, one day I'm going to be a founder of my own business. And they always look at me like I'm crazy. Like, Neil, you've got your head in the clouds. What the hell? Get a steady job, be security, get a pension and all that. And I'm like, but I can't live like that. That's just not me. And I think... It isn't the clouds, though, now these days. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but I think in, in the recent years, what I found myself doing is trying to get my family's validation, you know, on these things. Mm. And sometimes I'll sit with my dad, who's an accountant, like, so how's business? How many customers do you have? And, you know... Do you have like uh, on them, or are they on three week contracts? Are they on 12 month contracts? I'm like, it's ad hoc, dad. It just comes in when it comes in, and I'm doing other stuff. I'm launching a podcast, and he's like, I'm just very worried that, you know, when I go, that are you going to be okay? And my mom, <laughs> she's more a case of, so where are these companies located? Oh, one's in Belgium, one's in the US. Yeah. Oh, and then she's on the phone to her, yeah, so my son is working with people in the US. He's do he doesn't know what I'm doing, <laughs> right? And my sister, who's like my mentor in life, and I love my big yeah. sister a lot, um, she used to work for local government. I used to work for local government. I went off to tech, and she always said it's all about local government. And in the last few weeks, I can't mention the name of the company, but my sister is now going into tech, uh. and she's going into sales for a big corporate company. And she came to me and said, could you give me a little bit of advice? And I was like, yeah, I'm happy to. <laughs> my world, right? the, the circle of life. The circle, circle of life. Yeah. But coming <laughs> back to a very poignant point of the circle of life, like coming to you, Yannick. Mm -hmm. So we obviously met a few years ago um, whilst you were at Silverfin. And mm -hmm. I remember Juan who introduced us and we yeah. kicked off this SDR training with Happy Selling. And you were one of my favorite students because he was always giving feedback. He was always doing the role <laughs> plays. And I remember just as I was leaving our engagement with Silverfin, you had been promoted to team lead. Mm -hmm. um, you guys had, I think you've reached 105% of your quarterly target. And yep. I wouldn't say that's yep. because of happy selling. That's because of the team. But I was very proud to be a part of that in that time. Happy right. selling definitely helped. Indeed. That's for sure. But, you know, you're somebody that was that SDR that I first met. You progressed into a team lead. What was that transition like finally going into closing sales? What was that like for you? How was the transition like? Um, I think I feel definitely that you get a lot of the fundamentals uh, for doing sales as an AE when you have first been an SDR. What do I mean by that? As an, S as an AE, rather, you also have to keep prospecting. Prospecting is something that you learn when you're an SDR. As an AE, you have to build a lot of structure. As an SDR, you need to learn to structure your outreach because people will not respond mm. to you from a first touch. You have to be consistent. You need to build structure into your cadences, into your outreach. And all of those things, you know, the prospecting itself, the structure, daring to talk to people, overcoming objections even, all those things start um, when you're first in AE and you all bring them into your, uh, sorry, as it begins with the SDR <laughs> rather, yeah. and you bring them into your AE role. That's what I wanted to say. Um, now, the transition itself went quite smooth, to be honest. Um, I think that especially the later stages in the deal cycle were most challenging because I was quite comfortable talking to people already. Yes, you need to learn how to do a demo. Yes, you need to learn how to do a first presentation and a, maybe a discovery. You need to refresh all of that. That's true. But I think the newer stages um, that you need to start doing, like the negotiation, what you mentioned before, Neil, 
it's mm. quite important to get that really to get strong at that quite quickly because you know it's part of making deals that's why you're there as an AE and especially the closing um, stages i think that those were most challenging in my um, transition from SDR to uh, to AE yeah i love it you're right so a lot a lot of the fundamentals that you've learned as an SDR in terms of structure, time management, exactly. like always be prospecting, like never mm-hmm. stop prospecting, no mm-hmm. matter what role yep. you're in. Um, and those are things that have definitely helped you onto that. And, you know, like you said, having to learn elements of, you know, negotiation, how to do a demo yep. and all those sort of things, and then bringing it all together. What did it feel like finally closing your first deal, Yannick? What went through your mind when that happened? Um, Not finally, it was quite quick, but Yannick can explain better. Right? It was indeed quite quick. It was after my... Um, Second month or third month, I don't quite remember. No, I think it was sooner. Yeah, yeah. Something like yeah. that. After the second month. Um, yeah. How did it feel like? I was surprised, to be honest. Um, I must also be honest, I got quite some support internally from Kuhn, especially at the time, which helped a lot. But it was still my first few steps in the AE world, so I could use all the help that I could get, all the mentoring that I could get, and I also got that. Uh, and that also helped getting the deal across the line. But, you know, it's always a feeling. It was like you book your first SDR or your first meeting as an SDR. You can't mm. believe that you did it. You know, it seems like <laughs> impossible. How am I going to get somebody to sit in a room together with me and discover more how we can help them? That's how we feel as an SDR when you have those phone calls to do and those mails to send. And once that somebody says for the first time, all right, I agree I want to learn something more about how you guys can help us and this or this or that. That feeling is a little bit the same like I had when I closed the first deal as an AE. There are so many steps in a sales cycle. You know, like I said, it's not only getting somebody in the room, but also negotiating with them, uh, trying to actually get them to a close, which can be quite tough. You know, it's legal stuff that comes in it, procurement sometimes, and so on and so on. And it feels like a mountain that you need to climb, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but thank God I have a few Sherpas who helped me along the way and are still helping uh, where needed. <laughs> and when you have those people, um, yeah, you, you, you reach that top, you reach the closing of that deal. And it's quite amazing. It always seems like, well, I wouldn't say impossible, but very daunting, mm-hmm. um, very tough. But um, yeah, it already closed quite a few nice, uh, large deals, to be honest. Every time they seem quite uh, complex and, and daunting even and hard. Mm. But um, when you get there, the, the feeling is always amazing. It will never beat the feeling of the first um, deal that's close, probably. Eh? Nothing's like your first time, maybe. Um, <laughs> but it's... it's well, <laughs> I don't know about the rest of the room. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, just a stupid joke. But, you know, it, it stays... Um, you really have a feeling of accomplishment and that stays definitely. Oh yeah, man. So super proud again, like from meeting you all those years ago to seeing you now actually closing your deals and doing it alongside with Kone and everything that makes me super happy. That's a happy selling moment <laughs> in my opinion, but you're very right. It's like, I can remember the first deal that I ever closed mm-hmm. and like uh, akinning it to, you know, booking your first meeting. And I've noticed this with a lot of SDRs, like when we've helped them book their first meeting or opportunity or when a deal mm-hmm. closed with an AE, we have this element, I wouldn't call it shame, but you know, like we needed help in order to do it, but it takes a team to build a village, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And we need to go through these motions and learn it. But I remember in my last engagement, whilst I was working at Happio, um, 
some of our SDRs or, you know, and I, it was me, myself, I did this as well, where, you know, we come in for a couple of months, we learn the product, we see the demos in the AEs and we want to start doing that stuff ourselves, right? We're really poised to like, I want to give demos and I want to close deals and I want to make a mission. And I took it as a learning opportunity with one of my reps that was mm -hmm. very, you know, they really wanted to, they really want to become an AE and hopefully yeah. they will become soon in the coming months. But I did a team learning where I got one of my reps who booked one of their outbound deals and it was, if anything, it was kind of outside of our ICP, right? And it was below the threshold that we would allow for somebody to go in. But we saw a huge potential for an upsell later down the line. So I kind of like okayed it and said, let's go with it, but we're going to keep an eye on it. And what I said to this rep was, let's keep an eye of how the discussions are going with the AE. Let's see how many meetings are going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So cut a long story short, the deal finally closed and I gave the SDR a round of applause and we all celebrated as a team. But what I wanted to do with the team is actually show them how many steps and how many interactions it took to get to that point. Oh yeah. So I showed from how many attempts it took this SDR, 13 mm -hmm. attempts to book the first meeting, right? From the meeting to close over six or seven weeks, there was around 42 interactions. That was emails, calls, follow-ups, negotiations, you know, before signing the deal, the negotiation and all of that. But it was still a very low deal value. And kind of the lesson that I gave within that sharing was, look, this is how much effort it takes from sales to SDR to customer success to win this new customer. Yeah. But then we got a cost acquisition calculator and we put everybody's salaries into that as well. And I said, in essence, what we actually do, we burn cash trying to go for these small deals. Right. I know everybody wants to close and we want to win a new business, but this is why we have an ICP. This is why we have here. Yeah. When I, it wasn't to defeat the rep to show them, okay, this was a wasted opportunity because, you know, they did upsell. They did get more revenue out of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But why it's important that we trust the process, we have these steps in place for a reason, and patience is a virtue, right? It takes some time and we have to learn all these things. But unless somebody shows you these things and how many steps and how tough it is, you won't know. So I think it's very good to expose SDRs, yes. AEs, and everybody's yeah. to how tough is this shit, you know, putting it all together. It's not easy. Like I even look at my own CRM with deals that I've closed and I have to do this on my own. And I'll look at the emails, I see the cancellations and I'm like, and he goes, oh, I knew you've closed another deal. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know how tough that was. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's not all fun <laughs> and glory, but no. kind of like. No, this is very interesting point. I think we can all relate with this and that's why we also try to very clearly define our ICP. And let's be honest, in the beginning, you also want to give the AE something, mm. you know, because he or she is very uh, much uh, into the process. And and how we typically solve that, uh, and we did it uh, on a few occasions, is basically saying like, if it's a one-year deal, no. But if you can make it a two- or three-year yeah. deal, uh, we'll be doing it, you know, because it's close to the ICP. Uh, they will probably upsell indeed, mm. etc. So that's the way that that you still get, get the best yeah. of both worlds. I'm a big believer in really doubling down on that ICP and trying not to move too far away from it because all the stuff you just mentioned is still pre-sales sales, but then post-sales needs to happen as yeah. well, you know, and it's much more difficult when it's not an ideal ICP customer. 100%. But again, really great insights and again, really proud, Yannick, for like what you've achieved and, you know, like working with people like Bobby now. Bobby, coming on to yourself, so you're this new SDR within the business, you're tasked on helping generate pipe and generate meetings and working alongside Yannick and you guys have quite a good working relationship from what I've heard and seen. Like how, what advice would you give to SDRs here, the best way to work with your AE and like how, how do you guys have a great dynamic together? 
Yeah. Um, maybe I think I can answer the second part of the question a lot quicker, to be fair. Uh, I think the thing about working with Yannick, uh, you know, and that's something that others will confirm, I'm sure, that have worked with him is, is uh, very open to kind of, uh, you know, going out of his way to help you. And, mm -hmm. you know, working outside of working hours or sometimes on his holiday, you know, it's something that he doesn't recommend people to do. He oh. always says, hey, look, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't work on your days off or, you know, switch off from work completely. But he himself doesn't always yeah. follow that advice uh, because of, like, you know, how, how much he really wants to wants to put his, you know, heart and soul into his work and wants to do his best. And, yeah, that's that's definitely something I've seen him uh, throughout our relationship, you know, as, as uh, our professional relationship. And yet going back to the first part is definitely just like, you know, any other relationship in your, in your life is like dependent on the person. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think something that's kind of a universal advice for, for, you know, any SDR starting out there is, you know, you've probably got your LinkedIn profile set up already. You probably have a few connections going. Definitely follow the people out there who are, you know, in the field and doing it day in and day out because there is so much great advice yeah. there and so much great content of people yeah. talking yeah. about cool this thing. specific topic, you know. So, um, yeah, be, be exposed. And that's that's something that I personally, you know, normally I like to kind of scroll around Facebook and, you know, watch these funny videos and stuff. Since, since you know, <laughs> yeah. working in SaaS, it's pretty much taken over LinkedIn and, you know, I just kind of go on LinkedIn for fun or if I'm, you know, having a beer with my friend in a coffee shop and they take a quick phone call, I'll just open up my LinkedIn, see if anyone's accepting my connection yeah. request. I'm there, dude. That's great. You know, uh, so, so yeah, there's so much great advice there. So take advantage of it. And yeah, if, if you have a goal or you're working towards something, there's the chances mm -hmm. are there's many other people who are also on that same path. So, yeah, go out there and consume and uh, yeah, follow follow people who are in a position where you you want to be. You know, that's number I one. love that. I love that. So, one hundred percent, like gravitating towards like thought leaders, checking out LinkedIn, consuming yeah. that content, replacing it with the content that we may be like on Insta, TikTok. I admit, I've just gone to that as well begrudgingly but it's working out quite well but like replacing it with things that you're going to learn from as well but Jan, um also with yourself bobby like i remember a couple of months back or weeks ago like you put up a post where you're learning stuff and you're you know mentioning people that you're going to follow and you're reading their content for a lot of sdrs out there there's a shed load of a lot of content right and some of it can sometimes be very overwhelming i know that sometimes i get overloaded with the amount of scrolling that i'm doing so i have to switch off at points or start unfollowing certain things because it'll get too much what advice would you give to that new SDR where somebody says, go check out LinkedIn, go check these podcasts, go check out this, go check out that. How do you consume it in a healthy way? Yeah, that's that's a, a really good question because what I found out from, you know, it, it's a good thing that we have so much great content, but also I could probably find content saying, you know, from experts and, you know, people that are experienced in the field, content saying, uh, you know, one one part of an advice, and then someone totally disagreeing with that person in, on mm -hmm. the same topic. You know, so literally both sides of the same coin. Um, so I used to be quite big into fitness back in my in my youth days, and again, there would be so many people who are 
kind of on the internet telling you how to get a six pack. You know, you might remember this Mike Chang yeah. on, on YouTube. He was huge at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he was big, but his advice was kind of questionable. So, so you know, the same thing I did back then is, is something I've kind of taken on board as well with the SDR content is you have to be your own filter for stuff, you know, and sometimes it will be about trusting your gut instinct. Sometimes it will be about, you know, taking this point and really trying to uh, dive into it further and like kind of not taking one opinion as a fact. Uh, mm. But, you know, if you if you are interested in a particular question or in a particular topic or, you know, you've learned this new thing that kind of sounds in- interesting to you, uh, gathering a lot more input on the same topic kind of gives you yeah. a nice balance. You know, if, if a lot of people in the industry are saying that, you know, a lot of successful people that you have a good feeling about are saying the same thing, chances are there's some at least some truth to it, you know? So, um, yeah, having a, a nice body of of experience and content and exposure is, is a great way to kind of, uh, you know, cut through the noise and realize... You know, th- this is the content which I should be consuming, or this is what I should be taking advice from. Hell to the yeah, dude! And that's some solid advice again for anybody that's listening in on like how to consume that content, seeing what people are saying, how to you know manage that as well. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Bobby, like taking a gut feeling on you know the only way that you're going to figure this stuff out is actually trying it and see what mm-hmm. works, and then equally sharing that content because again, I look forward to your posts when I see them on there because I'm constantly learning from my network <clears> as well, right? And you know, the other thing that I was thinking was what kind of reminded me of like when you're saying when you're at your mates or you're out for a coffee and you're checking out your LinkedIn, it kind of takes me back to like my days of being an SDR where, you know, I would catch up with mates at the pub or on a social setting and I'd say to mates, oh, so what'd you get up to this weekend? Oh, well, you know, I did this at work. I closed a deal. Some of my friends were in sales um, or, you know, I went out to this trip or I went to a festival and da, 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 da. I said, what did you do? And I was like, oh, I went out to California and I was chatting to my CEO. And like, he was telling me about like, I built a company and all of this. And they'd look at me like, <clears throat> but they wouldn't know how to relate or speak mm-hmm. back to that because they're not used to they're not, They weren't exposed to that, you know? And then the other thing that sometimes I used to go out with my friends and they're catching up about what they got up to in the weekend. I said, yeah, do you know what? I spoke to like five different CEOs this week. I spoke to a CTO, spoke to this person. I spoke to a company that launched a company and they look at me really alien. Why is just like, They'd, like for yeah. me, that's freaking exciting. I'm chatting to people that are building companies and changing the yeah. world. And for them, like what makes them happy is, you know, it's relevant, uh, relative to like what they're doing with their life as well. But for you, now as this SDR, being able to work alongside a CEO and get time with the CEO, what's that kind of like for you as an SDR? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. And like one of the reasons I wanted to get into SaaS anyway was just to kind of... Uh, have this environment of people who are more successful. Like, you know, you get a different environment uh, coming from construction, let's be honest. <laughs> like a huge, huge difference. But even on my interview, I think my very first interview was supposed to be with um, with Yannick, but he couldn't make it for some reason. So I had Kuhn on the phone, like on the Zoom, all straight there. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> you know, I told him straight away. I was like, I, I didn't expect to be, you know, interviewing with the CEO already. And um, yeah. yeah, it's been great because, like, hopefully, like uh, you guys can tell, uh, Kuna's a pretty like down to earth guy. You know, he's super cool to talk to, but he knows a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you can see why he's in the position why why he is. You know, and mm-hmm. it, it's been a really cool experience. I can't lie. Everyone in 
in the um, bus five, people are just like, yeah, I'm new there. And most people know way more than I do and have way more experience than I do. Uh, and that's been, you know, amazing to be able to ask those questions, which, you know, people might have been dealing with years back in their career. And, that, you know, there's so, many, mm. so much knowledge there, so much uh, hard work put in. And, yeah, being able to interact with people like that is just uh mm-hmm. it's amazing you know same same goes for sassy to be fair i made like probably a few like last term connections but the connections i have made they've been awesome like th- these are just people that i feel like um i could hit up in six months without having spoken and you know it would just be like it was yesterday mm-hmm. you know so that's yeah that's super hundred percent I think the maybe the best anecdote, uh, if you don't mind me yeah. telling it, Bobby, is when we invited Bobby over to Belgium to hang out. Uh-huh. Uh, we also did the team uh, building in beautiful Durbuy, um, and I didn't have a, I, I didn't have shorts to swim. And then Bobby was so kind to borrow me his uh, <laughs> his shorts <laughs> on the spot, just putting it out. I put it on, and you know that creates. A connection, man. I can just tell yeah. you that. So uh, if that doesn't so, connection, yeah. if that doesn't make a connection, <laughs> nothing will like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and as you said, Carlos, this is family, right? This is this is yes. yeah. You share shorts. You share shorts. Love that. Yes. Right? <laughs> but um, kind of coming like to one of the, like, the last questions. Uh, I'd like to revert back to you, Karen, like on this family bit here. So like Bobby <laughs> is an SDR. <clears throat> And he may be charged with reaching out to C-level people or CEOs such as yourself, right? And for SDRs, this can be very intimidating, but I'm really glad and hope this show has shown that, you know, Bobby is working with a CEO. CEOs can be cool. They can be very down to earth and they can mm-hmm. be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And Cone, they may be reaching out to you. Like, what advice would you give out to SDRs that are reaching out to C-level people to lessen that anxiety and, you know, come across more gym? What, what advice would you give them? The first one, I think, is extremely uh, technical, but it's just having extremely clear audio, for example, when it's a phone call, mm. so that you know what's happening and because you call people uh, that are doing something else. So it needs to be extremely clear. If you have trouble understanding someone, it's already a very, very uh, difficult start, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, related to that is ex- being extremely clear in the beginning, you know, like uh, uh, I don't like uh, personally that People try, hey, where are you? And I'm doing fine. And where are most of the time you don't have time for mm-hmm. that. So just come in with like a, a small pitch, like, hey, do you also have the feeling in our case then that advertising costs are rising and results are uh, going down? Wait, you know, mm-hmm. see what happens because then it's immediately clear, okay, this guy is from that company. That's probably something that they're working on and they are already thinking about yeah. I can transfer him to his or her within my team or I can take the call directly. And then basically getting me to speak and, you know, I, I like to speak as soon as possible. Uh, most of the people out there like to hear themselves as well. Let's be honest about that. So yeah, I don't so now, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not make it a one man show, just get the other person talking and then you're already off to a good start. Mm. Uh, that's really, when I look at the SDR calls I receive, I will be extremely polite uh, when, when this is mm-hmm. followed, you know, and mm-hmm. if it's, uh, I did buy from 100% called SDR calls. I did buy from them, but when I can't hear them, etc., sometimes yeah. it's hard to, to, 
to take two more minutes to try to say like I cannot hear you, etc. And I will I will just respond, but sorry, but the connection is mm-hmm. really bad, or I'm not getting what you're hinting at. Uh, have a good day, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's those are situations you should avoid and can easily avoid uh, with those uh, with those few steps, I think. And in general, I think it's put in a bucket now, right? Like an SDR, but the work of an SDR never starts, or even if you evolve during the other stages in, 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 in SaaS, uh, a lot of us are still SDRs, even in the yeah. customer success team, you know, a lot of the yeah. best leads that we get actually come in through customer success, you know, because they know them well. Yeah. They know also when they reach out to them, they will give more mm-hmm. non-commercial advice. So for us, it's really like a lead generator, even like, hey, uh, can we have a chat about this? Uh, don't involve the salespeople just of yet. We're just trying to explore stuff. So everyone's in sales, you know, yeah. um, if you're yeah. trying to uh, find a uh, man, if you're trying to find a wife for the future, if you're <laughs> trying to get into a specific school, uh, if you're trying uh, to hustle to get a better discount on your clothing, whatever, everyone's swimming in sales, shorts. If you're I looking think. for those dream swimming shorts as well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I still have to return that. I think, by the way, but we'll pick up on that after this discussion. Uh, but yeah, those would be my key remarks, to be honest. I yeah. love that. Thank you so much. So you know, like having a clear call, um, being direct in your approach. Like sometimes it's nice to be nice, but sometimes you don't need so many niceties. Mm-hmm, but get mm-hmm. straight down to business as to where you are. So help you either delegate as to where that conversation is going to go, and giving yeah. yourself the opportunity to speak and to be heard. You know, in sales there are two ears and one mouth. When one is speaking, the other is listening. Right. Um, so definitely. So advice for for listeners out there, and obviously Bobby, like you've got your CEO there. So any advice that you can ask him, and I'd equally say to you, Bobby, leverage your CEO. Like what I used to do, the training with Yannick is, you know, if you're writing an email and you're not getting a response, say, Cone, I'm going to go draft the email, but can you send it? Because you've got weight as a CEO of this business to the other CEO, use each other like, you know, uh, together trying to get into an account. But that's, yeah. that's some solid advice. And I think our listeners and watchers like that. And again, if you're listening and watching this, like put in your comments and what's your thoughts and feedback as to how could we approach C-level people? What tips would we give to our SDRs mm-hmm. as well? Coming to yourself, Yannick, like if you were talking to a younger version of yourself who's just about to embark on this journey of becoming, you know, SDR going into the A, what one bit of advice would you give to that, Yannick? One bit. There are actually more bits of advice that I would give, <laughs> to be honest. Um, let, me, let me bring it down to two because I think they're both very important. I will start off with one. And that is also something that I told Bram, which you also know from... Um, uh, from lead camp. Other, from lead camp, indeed. Yeah. Um, and what I told him was the fact that you need to put yourself on the radar. And I keep saying that if you're a good performing SDR and you put in the work and you get the results, put yourself on the radar with the people that have power to help you, you know, getting you up in the company. A lot of people sometimes feel like, yeah, I'm doing my best and, you know, I'm doing some great things. But it's not being recognized that there's so many things that leadership and management need to take into account that sometimes they see that you're hungry and that you're getting results in. Mm. Sometimes it's not always that clear that you also want to move up because some people are perfectly happy being an SCR. And when you stay in SCR, it's not always easy to, you know, have a feel about where somebody sees his or her career heading towards. So if you want to rise up, put yourself at the, on the radar of the people that can help you. That's the first one. Yep. Um, and the second one is 
stay as close as SDR to your AE. If you yourself as SDR want to become an AE, stay as close to your current AE as SDR as possible. Try to follow the emails that are being sent. Try to follow his or her process. Try to start to understand how a deal cycle works because that will also give you an understanding first, is this really the way that I want to go? Do mm -hmm. I want to be an AE just like you said yourself, Neil? For you, yep. it was a no after some time. Yep. There will most definitely also be other people who have the same feeling about some time, but you can already make sure that this doesn't happen or you know, lower the chance of this happening. When you understand what it is to be an AE, ask advice to an AE, stay close to the AE, ask how a discovery went, ask how they got that difficult deal over the line. Just absorb all of that information because it will not only give you a perspective on how it is to be an AE and how you can best become an AE, it will also better your relationship with the AE. So you're making each other successful. So those two things I think are really important. Two silver bullets of solid advice. Thank you very much for that, Yannick. And coming last but not least to Bobby, like if you were speaking to the Bobby who was working on Vodafone a couple of years back, who's thinking about going into tech sales, maybe a little bit thinking, you know, this whole gig could be a scam, <laughs> like <laughs> not knowing where this is going to go. Like what advice would you give to, to that younger version of Bobby? Yeah, I think it's a little bit technical and it might sound trivial, but to be fair, I've had the, probably like for most of my life, I've had a bit of trouble sleeping or like falling asleep. Sometimes it takes me like two hours. Uh, so, and I think a reason, a reason I, I take some time to fall asleep is because I'm kind of like trying to go back on my day, reflecting, sometimes going back, you know, from last mm -hmm. week, what happened and like, you know, trying to come up peace with myself and calm myself down so I could finally fall asleep. Uh, and like mm -hmm. recently I've heard this advice like a few times, but recently I heard it and I really took it on board was, um, before you go to bed or now, you know, before to go, you go to bed, take some time to reflect on your day, uh, consciously and do that consistently. And that was kind of a, a moment where my mind clicked and I was like, maybe that's why, you know, that's really going to help me fall asleep quicker and, you know, allow me to get more rest and be more productive for the next day because, if I don't have to like kind of go to bed and then start this thinking and reflecting process, I've already done that. And that could be a really cool, mm -hmm. you know, uh, game changer. And I think it's, it's worked, uh, but there is, you know, so much more potential there. If you just keep doing it, you get a lot better and a lot quicker. And yeah, uh, it seems like a trivial thing, but I, c I think it could really have a big impact. No, no, no. Also writing that... things down is something that really works for me. Yeah. There's one way that I can clear my head and that's simply by clearing my head, by writing it down. So I know that it's saved somewhere to call it like that. Right. And then, right. You know, I don't have to keep thinking about it. That's something that also helps for me. But yeah. And, and it's not trivial by any stretch, Bobby. Like I think mm. like whatever, if you're a CEO and AE or an SDR, like self-awareness is one of the biggest powers that you can have. Mm -hmm. and reflecting uh, at the end of the day of, you know, what's achieved, what's worked, what's not. And, you know, to Yannick's point, like I journal daily. So I wake up in the morning, oh. I've got a gratitude journal where I write three things I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. I write a positive affirmation. And then I also say, how am I going to make this day successful? And I only spend three minutes doing that, right? And then I do a meditation. And then when it comes into the evening, I do the meditation. And then I go back to the uh, gratitude journal and I write three great things that have happened that day. 
but also what's the one thing that I can improve upon. So it's either I'm scrolling too much on LinkedIn or I've been watching too much TV or I got too emotionally mm -hmm. attached to something that happened in my work day against my business. Or, you know, I just didn't make enough time for my friends or family and have a chat with them. Those are things that I can improve upon. But to Yannick's point, and this is something we did in the happy selling training where you take something internally, you mm -hmm. then put the power of it into your arm and then you write it down. Mm -hmm. You have a better chance of remembering that when you write yep. notes down as well. But what it does is it mentally takes it out of your brain, puts it onto a bit of paper so that you can go back to bed and do mm -hmm. it. But to your point, consciously and i love this consciously and consistently if you do that yeah. every day mm -hmm. dude the world is your oyster and you will be you know rested because rest is the biggest exercise that you can ever do and that gives you longevity um so it's not trivial at anything dude i think that's some solid advice but as we've come to the end of the show this has been an amazing show gents and i, I really appreciate all of you but equally i appreciate all the listeners watchers and subscribers for our show today Remember, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a like, subscribe, and comment, and you can send voice notes in the show notes on the podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe, and share so that we can get this story to more sales professionals out there as well. But equally, uh, with Cone, with Yannick, and Bobby, if you'd like to connect with them, their LinkedIn profiles will be in the show notes and in the YouTube description. Feel free to connect. And also check out ambassify.com. I will be putting a link to their website if you want to learn more about employee advocacy and how their solution could potentially help you as well. But Cone, Yannick, and Bobby, thank you so much for being guests on our show. And most importantly, happy selling to all you three. My pleasure. Happy Thanks, selling. Man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show.